The starkest change of all was in its operating loss of 1.5 billion euros, because that is about a 500% decrease from the gain of 358 million euros that Phillips reported for the same period last year. That's Andrea Park, a staff writer here at Fierce MedTech. Later, we'll hear more from her about Phillips's third quarter earnings report and what it means for the company. I'm Teresa Carey. And this is the top line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce MedTech, and Fierce Pharma. This episode is brought to you by Precision Extract. Today is Friday, November 4th. Stick with us. We've got all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. Big Pharma is in a race to get the first ever RSV vaccine to market. And this week, the finish line finally came into sight for two companies. RSV, or respiratory syncytial virus, is a common respiratory virus that causes cold-like symptoms. And because of a recent surge in RSV, children's hospitals are overwhelmed. As James Waldron reports, on Tuesday, Pfizer announced that it had stopped a phase three trial of its RSV vaccine for pregnant women. Pfizer did this because the study hit one of its main goals, even though the other endpoint wasn't achieved. Pfizer is hot on the heels of AstraZeneca and Sanofi, which tout a rival drug for infants. That drug is called Nirsevimab. It's a long-acting antibody which received an approval recommendation in the European Union, but not yet in the U.S. But the race really heated up on Wednesday, when the FDA granted priority review status to GSK's RSV vaccine. If the FDA gives GSK's shot the green light, the first RSV vaccine could be approved in the U.S. as soon as May 3rd. But unlike Pfizer's vaccine for pregnant women, GSK's is for those over 60 years old. GSK CEO Emma Walmsley was asked on an earnings call whether GSK expects to beat Pfizer in the RSV race. She said GSK is feeling ambitious. We'll have to wait until May 3rd to see if that ambition is justified. Do you remember the days when Twitter was full of pictures of overpriced drinks someone bought from a cafe? To be fair, I still do that. A girl's got to show off her kombucha homebrew. Well, now, instead of those pics of pumpkin spice lattes, Twitter seems to be swelling up with conspiracy theories, racism, misinformation, and, well, general anger. Love him or hate him, Elon Musk is now the self-proclaimed chief twit. He bought Twitter for $44 billion, and some users are threatening to simply leave the site altogether. Hashtag Twitter migration is trending. It won't be a smooth transition, but as Ben Adams reports, despite Twitter's new problems, the FDA will not be one of them. Dr. Robert Califf, the FDA commissioner and the man responsible for signing off on new drugs, said on a Twitter thread this week, the easy thing to do would be to abandon using Twitter, but that's not the right thing for us to do at this time. He goes on to say, more than ever, it's important that the FDA continues to use Twitter for good and do everything in our power to protect the public from potential harm. Well, Elon Musk may be setting the bird free, but the FDA is still trying to ensure it doesn't die in the wilderness. Johnson & Johnson and Thermo Fisher each announced a multi-billion dollar acquisition deal this week. The larger deal came from Johnson & Johnson, which offered up $16.6 billion for Abiomed. 
That's J&J's biggest buy since 2017 when it bought biotech Actelion for twice as much. As Connor Hale reports, Abiomed makes minimally invasive heart pumps and lung support devices. When the deal closes early next year, it'll continue to operate as a standalone business under the J&J umbrella. Its shareholders will receive $380 per share in upfront cash payments. And J&J said in its Tuesday announcement that it'll tack on another $35 per share if Abiomed hits certain clinical and commercial milestones. On Monday, Thermo Fisher announced plans to purchase the binding site for about $2.6 billion. The binding site has developed a range of diagnostic tests and instruments to detect and monitor cancers and immune system disorders. That deal is also expected to go through within the first half of 2023. Waiting on hold for a pharma conference call usually means listening to generic symphony music. But much to Kevin Dunleavy's delight, on Wednesday, Alkirmes played Fleetwood Mac's breakup anthem, Go Your Own Way. As Kevin reports, it was an appropriate way for Alkirmes to say that it was splitting in two. The company will separate its oncology sector from its neuroscience business, creating a new publicly traded company. Two things are motivating this move. One that Alkirmes wanted to talk about, and the other, not so much. So here's the good news. A year ago, Alkirmes launched Libalvi, a bipolar disorder drug which has blockbuster potential. Separating from its oncology unit would allow Alkirmes to focus on marketing the drug. But they're not so good news. There's another factor at play. Alkirmes priority oncology asset, Nemvalukin, is likely to be devalued after recent trial failures by other drugs in its IL-2 class. For example, just last week, Sanofi received disappointing data on its IL-2 drug, and Bristol-Myers Squibb scrapped its IL-2 candidate when a study showed that it likely does more harm than good. Also from Kevin Dunleavy, most Americans aren't getting the new COVID shot. But not all the news is bad on the vaccine sales front. In fact, when Pfizer reported its third quarter revenue on Tuesday, it revealed a surprise. Its COVID vaccine sales exceeded the expectation of analysts and the company. In a period when vaccine sales are typically slow, Pfizer raked in $4.4 billion. So Pfizer boosted its COVID vaccine sales projection for the year from $32 billion to $34 billion. Now, as the company looks to the future, it envisions COVID vaccines taking on a schedule similar to flu shots. Another factor to consider is the hefty price hike Pfizer plans for the vaccine. When the U.S. goes to a commercial model for vaccines sometime next year, it will charge between $110 and $130 per shot. How will the new landscape affect sales in 2023? Pfizer CEO Albert Borla said on Tuesday, it's too early to speculate. In its third quarter earnings report last week, Philips reported a 5% drop in sales and an operating loss of 1.5 billion euros. To combat that decline, Philips plans to launch a restructuring effort That'll start by laying off around 4,000 workers around the world. Connor Hale and Andrea Park will talk more about that after a word from our sponsor. 
Are you ready to drive radical prescription growth for your brand? With Access Genius, you can. Access Genius personalizes your brand's market access messages to an HCP's individual practice. It fully integrates with Viva applications and automatically selects the best possible pull-through message to share with target HCPs. Learn how leaning in with Access Genius messaging helped one brand realize 4 to 1 ROI. Find out how to make market access pull through your brand's superpower at accessgeniusmessaging.com. It's been a tough year and a half for Philips. The company started the recall of millions of its CPAP and BiPAP machines in June 2021. Things have been downhill ever since. Andrea, you've been following this story for a long time now. Can you tell us how we got here? Yeah, thanks, Connor. So not only has that recall kept Philips from raking in millions in potential sales, but it has also sparked hundreds of class action filings, earned the FDA's ire, and is currently the subject of an investigation by the Department of Justice. On top of that, in 2022 alone, Philips has so far reported another six class one recalls within its troubled respironics division. So between all of those issues, it should come as no surprise that the company's revenues have been slipping. That's led Philips to draw up a restructuring plan that it hopes will stanch the losses it's currently facing. Interesting. So what kind of financial shape is Philips in now? Yeah, so the company released its third quarter earnings report last week, and for the period, it took in 4.3 billion euros in sales, which is a 5% drop from last year. Its order intake was also down 6%, and it reported an operating cash outflow of 180 million euros for the quarter, compared to an inflow of 256 million euros last year. And then probably the starkest change of all was in its operating loss of 1.5 billion euros, because that is about a 500% decrease from the gain of 358 million euros that Phillips reported for the same period last year. So what does the restructuring plan entail? Yeah, so the main goal of the restructuring is to streamline the business and cut costs. And on an earnings call last week, Phillips's CEO and CFO So that that includes narrowing the company's R&D focus, raising prices, consolidating supply chain resources, and improving product quality. But probably the most critical piece of that is their decision to lay off about 4,000 workers around the world, which would make up about 5% of Philips' global workforce. And what do we know about the layoff so far? So the company's new CEO, Roy Jacobs, who just took over a couple of weeks ago, said on that earnings call that the layoffs are going to come from all over the world. So the biggest cuts will come kind of proportionately from Philips's biggest employee bases, which are in the US, the Netherlands, India, and China in that order. And the layoffs are going to cost the company about 300 million euros in severance and termination related costs. But then down the line, they're expecting to get that same amount back, 300 million euros in annualized savings from the cuts. And then beyond that, Jacob said on the call that Philips is going to lay out a broader restructuring plan at the beginning of next year when it has finalized its full year 2022 earnings report. And he said on the call that the company is going to continue to review areas to further improve supply operations, invest in quality, and simplify the way of working and remove organizational complexity. And so he said that that is expected to result in more restructuring and associated costs in 2023. And the CPAP recall that started in June 2021 plays a big role in all of this, right? 
Yeah. So that recall stemmed from an issue with the polyester-based polyurethane foam that's used to muffle sounds and vibrations in many of Philips's CPAP machines, BiPAP machines, other ventilators. So that foam was found to break down over time in some cases, which can send chemicals and bits of debris into a user's airflow. And actually, as of the end of July, the FDA said it had tallied up 168 deaths and received 69,000 complaints related to that issue. So for Philips, in 2021, the company estimated that the recall had cut 719 million euros from the net income that it was originally expecting for 2021. And then, of course, it's all still dragging on, so it's still taking a pretty big toll on Philips' finances. So, for example, when you look at that 1.5 billion euro operating loss that the company reported for this past quarter, most of that, about 1.3 billion euros, came from a goodwill impairment charge that Philips had to take because of changes to the financial forecast for its respiratory devices division, which it, again, linked back to the recall. So where does the recall stand now? So as of that Q3 earnings report, Philips said it had produced 4 million replacement devices and repair kits, and that's out of 5.5 million total devices that they need to repair or replace. And the company has said that it's aiming to complete 90% of that production and the shipments by the end of this year. But then even though that repair and replace program is kind of coming to a close, there's still a lot more going on with the recall. So for one, Philips is still in discussions with the FDA and the Department of Justice about a possible consent decree. Um, And they haven't given out a lot of details about that, but a consent decree could possibly force Philips to completely stop production at some of its facilities while it sorts out those quality issues that are at the heart of the recall. Um, And then even though more than half of the affected devices are in the U.S., international authorities are also getting involved. So, for example, in September, the public prosecutor's office in Paris confirmed that they'd open their own preliminary criminal investigation into the recall. And then last but certainly not least, patient-wise, there are a ton of class action suits out there. So as of mid-October, there were 342 pending class action cases against Phillips in the U.S. related to the recall. And how will all of that affect Phillips's finances? Yeah, the company actually hasn't taken any financial provisions yet to prepare for any potential legal costs uh, in the Q3 earnings report, they said that's due to the uncertain nature and timing of the relevant events. So financial impact here is still pretty unclear. Interesting. So what's next for Philips? Right. So the big thing is that the company wants to be done with 90% of that repair and replace program for the recall by the end of this year. And then they plan to finish that up uh, in early 2023. And then also, as we talked about earlier, there's going to be more restructuring across the company company next year, which is going to add up to even more costs for Philips. And then kind of with all of that, the company has actually said it's not even expecting to make a total recovery for a few more years. Uh, Back in its Q2 earnings report over the summer, they forecasted that the Respironics division wouldn't get back to its pre-pandemic and pre-recall levels of 2019 until about 2025. So, yeah, there's definitely still a lot of uncertainty and difficult times in Phillips's future. Wow. Well, thanks for taking us through this ongoing story, Andrea. Yeah, of course. I'm sure there'll be a lot more to cover. That's it for The Top Line. I'm senior producer Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodgson. 
You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at FiercePharma.com. Look for podcasts. Don't forget to follow The Top Line on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen. And that's The Bottom Line from The Top Line.